Hello and welcome to the DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. I'm your host, Ken Bond. The DOE Digest is a platform for information exchange in which the department highlights the work being done by transformative educators around the state. This podcast is one of the ways that we utilize our digital platform to help strengthen teaching, leading, and learning, and increase educational equity for the 1.4 million students across New Jersey. Thank you for joining us. Hello and welcome to this month's episode of DOE Digest. I'm thrilled to be able to share the amazing conversations that I had with educators who lead integration of social emotional learning in their districts and schools. As you listen, think about how you can be integrating social emotional learning into your classrooms and schools and districts as you enter this upcoming school year. At the Department of Education here in New Jersey, we believe that social emotional learning are integral parts of the school day and of every subject area. We start out by talking with district leaders about the ways that they're approaching integration of SEL in their schools. And then we do a little bit of a round table, which is a case study on SEL integration into the arts education classroom. I hope that you find this information valuable and that you're able to apply it into your classroom, school, and or district. Hi, I'm Robin Ivanisic. I'm a climate and culture specialist in the Hamilton Township School District, Mercer County. Hi, I'm Gail Colucci. I'm from the Cranford School System. I am the uh, district coordinator of culture and climate, and we are located in Union County. Good morning. Uh, My name is Jackie Citro. I am the district assistant principal in Milltown in Middlesex County. Okay. So the first question I wanted to ask is in your own words, what is SEL and how do you think about integrating it into the fabric of the school? And why don't we start with Gail for this one? So when I think about social emotional learning, I think about it as a process. And when I say that, it's a process that educators provide for students with two tools that they need to be successful, as well as to become the best version of themselves. So I think of SEL, I think that SEL allows students to be aware of their feelings, aware of their emotions. It encourages students to understand how important it is to show empathy to each other. And students through SEL set attainable goals. These goals help them to make good decisions, decisions that they're comfortable with, all while having respect for themselves and others. And one of the most important things that I think SEL does is that it just truly teaches children to be kind. And being kind in their everyday world will lead to success for themselves academically, emotionally, socially, and when they become adults. This is Jackie. To me, SEL is the basis for every decision that you make in school, you know, for the success of children. I've heard it referred to as the plate on which everything else is served. When you think about the core competencies that uh, Gail was kind of referring to, they're very big abstract ideas, things like, you know, self-awareness, social awareness, self-management, like, you know, what does that mean? So to me, those are the things that you have to integrate into the fabric of school. You have to really like simplify them for kids and make them concrete. Hi, this is Robin. So social emotional learning is the foundation to student achievement. 
and it provides students with opportunities to inquire, collaborate, and take risks within their learning. It also supports educators because it allows them to build relationships with their students and understand the challenges that they may face in school and at home. And it also gives educators meaningful strategies to address the whole child. It also provides students with an environment that accepts them, regardless of the choices that they may make throughout the day, and provides a restorative approach to learning. That's awesome. What can educators do, regardless of their role, to integrate SEL into their environment? And why don't we start with Jackie on this one? So I think one of the things we need to do as educators is to always be thinking about what it is we're asking our students to do and understand. So, you know, oftentimes you'll hear that's not appropriate or, you know, what does it mean to have respectful behavior? And, you know, like I said in a previous um, answer, what does that mean, right? How, how, what does that mean concretely? Because what's appropriate in one situation might not be appropriate in another situation. So we have to have that constant, constantly be thinking about what is it we're, you know, asking kids to do. I also feel very strongly that to integrate it into students' environment, we need to really think about all the adults of the school, everybody. You're off, anybody a child comes into contact with from the time they walk in the door to the time they leave, your bus drivers, office staff, lunch aides, child study team, everybody has an influence on that child. So everybody needs to know and be you know, able to act on what is social emotional learning and, and how can I help these children be more self-aware and regulate their emotions and make responsible decisions. To me, like the number one thing is relationship building. You know, like you got to have that relationship. Every child has to have at least one trusted adult in school, somebody they can go to for good and for bad, right? If there's a problem, if they're being bullied, if they need somebody. Um, and that that's one of the things actually that I, I learned to do from one of the conferences I went to was we survey every kid every year, you know, if you have a problem at school, who are you going to go to? And then we look at those children who say nobody, or, you know, I would tell my mom or whatever. And um, then we focus in on those children and we make sure we assign a, a adult buddy to them to really check in with them. Um, because without, if they don't have that positive relationship, first of all, they're not going to want to come to school. And then when they do come to school, if there's trouble, they're not going to know what to do. Hi, this is Robin. So I think a positive school climate is necessary for successful social emotional learning integration. And this kind of includes the relationships of students to students, students to teachers, teachers to administrators, and teachers to families. Educators need to provide students and their families with knowledge and resources that can allow them to be aware of their emotions and how to regulate them. Uh, social interactions also play an integral part of integrating social and emotional learning into the school day. These skills are needed um, to be modeled by faculty and the opportunities for practice, practice and reflection are needed to support SEL. Hi, this is Gail. Um, I definitely agree with both Robin and Jackie about how um, SEL should be integrated from the moment we step foot in the door. And I think that all, uh, all teachers, all paraprofessionals, all office staff, everyone needs to have an understanding 
of what SEL is so that they can provide these elements um, through their, just through their actions to our students on a daily, daily basis. So students need to feel welcomed. They need to feel accepted. They need to feel included in all daily practices. Such a simple thing as a greeting at the door, making eye contact, asking them how their day is or how they felt when they woke up this morning. It's all about making those connections. Highlighting the fact that all staff need to be involved in this and it really needs to be a group effort is so important. And I think those are some great individual hands-on ways that folks can engage with students around SEL. For this next one, I really want to think about what folks can do kind of systematically throughout a district. Thinking about the instability that many students have faced recently, how can SEL help make schools places of healing-centered care for the whole community, both students and teachers? This is Robin. I think we need to provide students with a learning environment that welcomes their individuality, their creativity, their perseverance. And when educators get to know their students, they're able to create an individualized approach to learning. Utilizing restorative practices for student achievement also encourages students to take responsibility for their learning and helps students understand that working collaboratively with others fosters the environment in which all students can succeed. Okay, this is Jackie. So yeah, thinking about what we've all faced recently, I think the first thing we all need to recognize is that New Jersey, the country, the world, just like we went through and are still going through what I like to think of as, not like to think of, but I think of as a collective trauma event, right? It's been a, a traumatic event that has affected every person, you know, every walk of life, every socioeconomic class, every race, every religion, we've all been affected by what we've gone through this past year, um, you know, on the most basic level. So um, how can we make schools a healing centered place? Obviously, one of the biggest ones is provide more psychologists, social workers, counselors, um, students that you, you know, might think are, you know, should be so well adjusted and not, you know, suffer from anxiety or anything. It's going to come out in September when we come back. Um, we came back for a while in May and, um, you know, behaviors that you might not have expected were, were seen. Um, I think another thing we really need to remember is to um, make sure our teachers and the adults, all the adults in the school are taking care of themselves. If the adults in the school aren't taking care of themselves, then it's going to be very difficult to help our children when they do come back. Um, and, you know, in Milltown, we placed a big emphasis on that in the past like year and a half. And I think that's going to be important to keep considering so that we can, you know, keep moving kids forward and, in, in, um, you know, and what we've all gone through. So, hi, this is Gail. I do agree with everything that has been said. So one of the things that we as a district are looking into where we are going to get trained in what we call grief informed schools. And again, it's not just, uh, yes, we have, we had a lot of loss in Cranford as, as all of us did, but it's also to help our students navigate. So we're having our administrators trained, our staff trained, and then we're focusing in on our transition years, especially the sixth graders and the ninth graders. And uh, we're bringing in some experts and um, 
then we're also doing a lot of SEL work just from the beginning, right? When our teachers start on September 1st, we're taking those two days to do a lot of reflection and uh, giving tips and strategies on how we can move forward to help our students heal and to help our staff heal and to help our community heal. It's, it's so important to find out exactly what happened for a child without, without going into confidentiality. So we're going to be sending out surveys and inventories just to get a, a pulse of what each child is going through and how we can then best attack that from an educator's point of view, from a uh, counseling point of view. We also are hiring more counseling staff and we've actually also increased our child study teams. We're tripling them this year as well. As you think about the day-to-day integration of SEL or social emotional learning, it needs to go beyond those special programs or the special rooms that are SEL specific and carved out just for SEL. This next section of the podcast is a bit of a case study where we look at arts education and the ways that educators are conceptualizing integration of SEL. It's inspiring to think about the ways that they're using the core of arts education, their core standards, and on top of those standards, putting those core competencies from SEL and integrating them throughout as they consider how to build out their daily lessons and engage students day to day. I hope that you enjoy this interview and you're able to glean some insights about your subject area and the ways that you can have an orientation towards social and emotional learning in whatever area you teach or administrate. My name is Latasha Castigolala, and I'm the Supervisor of Visual and Performing Arts and Gifted and Talented Education for the Passaic Public Schools. I'm Margie Thomas, and I am a general elementary music teacher, and I teach um, beginning strings and chorus at Campbell Elementary School in Metuchen, New Jersey, and we are in Middlesex County. I'm Carrie Sullivan. I'm the District Supervisor of the Arts for Bridgeton Public Schools located in Cumberland County. So for question one, why do you think SEL integration is important in the arts? And we'll start with Latasha and then everybody else can just pitch in. Sure, so when we're thinking about social emotional learning and we're thinking about our students, the core of that is getting to know who you're serving. And so SEL allows us to have our students share the parts of them that we can't just see from the external. And it helps us connect to what students value the most, what they enjoy, what helps them move and grow and motivates them. And having SEL in the arts is very natural because it connects to our expressiveness and our ability to connect our life experience with the artistic forms of expression. This is Margie Thomas. Um, I, I think there's so many parts to it and that SEL integration is important in, in everything. But I think the arts are very interesting disciplines because they're inherently emotional and they're also inherently judgmental. So it's easy for anybody, whether you are an artist or in the audience to say, well, I like this and I don't like that. 
But one of the things that SEL teaches is to look at the person's perspective, so to look at the artist's perspective, to see where they're coming from and, and how they evolve to a certain point. And I think that that enhances as a viewer, as an audience, our, I'll use appreciation, but appreciation for the art. And then I think also in school, I feel like our students are, their immediate is always, their feedback is always immediate. And it can be hard to accept what could sound like criticism. So with SEL, we get to kind of help students understand that we're really trying just to help them um, be more successful at their craft. And it's not like a direct, some students I think feel attacked. So it, it helps them to kind of understand where they're coming from and maybe assess their abilities um, a little easier. This is Carrie Sullivan. I think SEL and the arts are naturally integrated, right? You can't really separate them. I think when you create and connect in the arts, you're putting something of yourself into the work, and that can't happen without some level of self-awareness. Uh, creating and performing and producing are iterative processes that require passion and intrinsic motivation, perseverance, commitment to a purpose, and even collaboration. I think it also requires social awareness and responsible decision making since an artist has to think about their audience and how their work might be received, right? Responding in the arts is about embracing multiple perspectives and being willing to approach things from a different angle. So the arts and SEL are naturally intertwined. I think what's important is for curriculum and teachers to be thoughtful about isolating individual competencies and practices in order to really develop them. So an arts teacher is going to impact a student's social emotional development, either positively or negatively, whether they intend to or not. So it's important that teachers are aware of that connection between SEL and the arts and that they're intentionally working to ensure that that impact is a, is positive. Excellent. A lot of educators who are coming in and thinking about the content that they need to teach in their classroom or, or through their curriculum, and then integrating SEL and the different core competencies within the CASEL framework. So as you think about that, how do you balance your art standards and the SEL core competencies in your classrooms? And why don't we have uh, Kerry start off with this one? Sure. So I... I think for me, the key is authenticity, right? There's so many natural connections between the arts and SEL. So you have to find those authentic connections that will help your students in any given moment and bring them, bring those um, standards and competencies to the forefront, right? You have to be responsive to the students who are in front of you and what their social emotional needs are in this moment. So thinking about how your lessons can be adjusted to nurture the students and support their social emotional development. I think that's at the classroom scale, right? At a larger scale, it's about connecting the student learning standards in the arts with specific SEL competencies, again, in an authentic way. And I think this can be done in the curriculum so that teachers have a guide. 
So when I'm devising curriculum, I start with the art standards. And once the standards for a particular unit have been identified, I look for those authentic SEL connections. And when the art standards and the SEL competencies are established for a unit, I then can begin to design learning experiences that really blend both of those while still being mindful of the student's cultural context and what will be relevant to them. That's great hearing about that way, the way that you really crosswalk that and think about how to build that in. I think it's both, both directions, right? From that lesson perspective, as well as the curriculum, you have to hit it kind of from, from both angles. Yes, so I agree I think, um, with, with Carrie on that. I think that um, the art standards have to come first. And the, so we have to take into consideration our curriculum and um, and the standards. And then depending, I work with little students, <laughs> I have elementary school kids. So depending um, on the activity and the age, then you can kind of choose the competency that could go with your activity. Um, we spend a lot of time in elementary school in the self-awareness and the self-management competency. You know, we're trying to get them to figure out what's going on around them and, and with, the, you know, in their own own space and to try to manage themselves. Um, but if they're if it's an activity that requires pairs or groups, then maybe I would think about using a social awareness or responsible um, decision making and relationship skills, although responsible decision making, I think could go anywhere. So, I mean, I could take one like practicing, right? I want them to practice, especially uh, if it's like my beginning strings and, you know, knowing that they should practice, that might be responsible decision making, you know, trying to set up a practice schedule with them or have them do it or knowing what and when and how to practice, that might be their self-management. But they also need to know that they're going to affect a, a larger group. They're part of an ensemble. So the relationship skills or um, social awareness might come into play there. So kind of depending on on where your lesson fits in <laughs> with, with, with other people, other students, other classes, or just with the one student, again, knowing where they're coming from, um, just start with that activity and the, the curriculum and then you build the competencies from there. Hi, Candice, Latasha. Uh, when I think about this, I mean, the ladies have spoken so wonderfully to, to this piece. And I think about uh, this question, I think about vision. And I think about what do you want your students to walk away with? And I think about the importance of us having um, art makers and art appreciators. And in order for them to do so, the competencies come right into it because um, as Margie said, it really does speak to when you need a specific activity for a specific task. Um, and so for, for us, we really look at self-awareness starting when they're, they're, they're in those K, one, two pieces, but we also try to evolve that conversation with our students as they get older and looking at self-awareness from a cultural context, from a social context, also from what we're trying to do and how we're trying to create the artistic expression that we're working on. And that requires you to be aware socially. Um, it requires you to think about, well, how am I going to be able to manage what I'm doing and how does that impact those around me? That 
it goes into responsible decision-making and relationship skills. So what we try to do is kind of build it into all of our lessons as a reminder of not just what's good to do um, as artists, but as good people. And so that's about the vision that we want you to be both in the role um, of maker and appreciator and knowing that you can very easily switch in and out and do it in a way that's responsible um, and helps to create an environment that is maximized for learning and for growth. Uh, what is one piece of advice or insight from someone else that has helped you integrate SEL into arts education? So just thinking about the experiences that you've had engaging with folks around SEL, what's one piece of advice that you've heard from them that's helped you? And why don't we start with Margie on this one? Uh, sure. I, it can be very overwhelming to start. I think for me it was when I like I'm going to intentionally place SEL in my lessons. And I think one of the best pieces of advice I got is to just start where I feel comfortable. So start where you're comfortable. Don't have to you don't need to make a big lesson out of it. Like I'm going to teach SEL now. You just start at your comfort level and your comfort level is going to be with your lessons, your units, those activities that you are very, very, very comfortable with that you can teach in your sleep, you know, and maybe you just want to switch it up. So SEL might be that way, but it can be very simple. The little terms and the questions that you use, just infusing, maybe swapping out your vocabulary or the language that you use for an SEL vocabulary. I think that that helps and just it doesn't have to be on a grand scale to start out with. Once you get comfortable doing it in a small way, you will want to and you will you'll feel your way through and how to add it a little bit more and more into different um, areas of your teaching. Um, this is Latasha. I think when I the best thing that I've learned um, in conversations from SEL folks and experts and just sharing the knowledge is to start small. It's to simply start small and it's small check-ins. It's those two to four minute check-ins, just finding out where your students are, seeing what's going on with them, just doing that check-in um, and creating that, that space for a more personal relationship, some, where there's a connection or some type of just a check-in, I think is the most important thing because I think people feel they have to throw everything out of the door uh, and stop instruction to do it. And it's one, empowering our teachers so that they can be the champions for their students. Because if our teachers aren't feeling safe and secure, if they're feeling uncertain, um, that's going to translate to the classroom environment. And climate and culture is the most important piece. So utilizing that either in the beginning, in the middle, or towards the end of that lesson, just to see where students are in a number of ways with technology, in person, on paper, is really critical and, and really helpful in the process because those moments create more opportunities for, for learning. This is Carrie, and building off of what Margie and Latasha just shared, I think one of the, the, the best pieces of advice I got, right? One thing that was really an insight that really helped me. Well, there's two, but I think the first one building off what they were saying is that teachers are already doing this work. It's it's not a fad. It's it's nothing new. 
right? The integration of arts and social emotional learning is something that arts teachers have been doing exceptionally well for the most part for decades. And I think the key now is to be really intentional about that. Most of the things that you've always done, it's just a matter of increasing your awareness about the connections between arts and SEL so that you can ensure that your impact is positive. I think the other thing that someone said that that really resonated with me and kind of helped frame my thinking around arts and SEL is the importance and the kind of that the natural connection between culturally relevant practices. And I think we have to realize that SEL is embedded into everything we need to do. So again, it's about being intentional about it. And the same is true for culture, right? We can't have these conversations without really thinking about our actual students and everything that they're bringing into the classroom and everything that they're bringing to the learning experience. And I think if we're not considering culture in this context and embracing it and elevating it, then we're really missing a, a critical component and we're, we're not being authentic. I'd like to thank you for listening to today's episode. And I'd also like to thank our guests as well as the Office of Student Support Services for helping with pre-production on this episode. And Elizabeth Thomas, as always, who transcribes this podcast to make it accessible for all. Please join us for our third Tuesday Twitter chat at 8.30 p.m. at the hashtag NJEdPartners on August 17th, 2021. And we will be talking about this subject. We look forward to continuing to connect and engage with you about educating the 1.4 million students around the state and hope to talk to you on the hashtag NJEdPartners third Tuesday Twitter chat. You can subscribe to the podcast channel for DOE Digest through your iPhone and the Apple Podcast app or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that you can get new episodes when they are released. Also, please leave us a review through the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. It is the best way to help new listeners find us. Neither the New Jersey Department of Education nor its officers, employees, or agents specifically endorse, recommend, or favor views expressed by those interviewed. Discussion of resources are not endorsements. Thanks so much for listening.